Hi, and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Katie. I'm Alan. And we're still married. And we just had the best weekend. It was so fun. We got away. We were invited to speak at Thrive Sacramento. It's funny because three of the people involved in the planning are in mixed faith marriages, which is why they're like, let's bring these mixed faith folk on to speak, which is awesome of them to do. And we had such a great time. We were able to meet a lot of amazing people. One of my favorite people, I really wanted to meet Matt Easton. And if any of you know who he is, he's the BYU grad who came out as queer at BYU graduation. In 2019. In 2019. And he is just a freaking ray of sunshine. I absolutely wanted to meet him. And I was, it did not disappoint, I should say. He, if he was a drug, he would be an upper not a downer, because he he just <laughs> brings everyone um, up whenever <laughs> you're around him, which is fun. This trip kind of taught me, man, we need to get filthy, stinking rich so that we can just buy houses close to all the cool people that we know. <laughs> it was like we were we we were like we were in our in our college days because we stayed up till like two a.m. <laughs> yeah. Every night. I felt like I was 32 again. And then when we woke up, we felt like we were hit by a freaking truck. I was totally hungover without a drop of alcohol. And that's not even that. I mean, we, yeah, we didn't, there was no drinking. It was just staying up and talking. And then we didn't even have to contend with kids because it was just us. And the poor couples who were with us uh, had to get up with their own children. But we had a mixed faith marriage uh, dinner the first night we were there mm-hmm. hosted by the Richards which was amazing and so fun to meet so many different people and then of course the day event on Saturday for Thrive Sacramento and you know I know that our I mean our demographic is small but I have to say that we really tailor make our presentation so it fits all wherever you are in the spectrum right and one of those things that we talk about is specifically, you know, how to have a relationship with people who, if it may not even be a spouse, but it might be a um, loved one, a family member. And in, in our case, we specifically talk about Alan's mom and the relationship we, we have with her and how to like cultivate that relationship when we want there still to be intimacy and closeness. And um, Alan's transitioned out and his mom's fully in. That's right. And in this presentation at Thrive, we, we focused mostly on that, relationships with family and friends. Uh, and we, we presented a little bit about mixed faith, including results of a survey that many of you wonderful people were uh, so kind enough to give us some time and answer a number of questions on mixed faith. So what we wanted to do with you today, because we promised this months ago when we, we finally, did. you know, we're finally coming around to uh, a Lannister never forgets his debts for those that have watched Game of Thrones, <laughs> for those believers out there. <laughs> well, we are making good on our promise. Yes. And we and when we presented this survey, we did it in Pleasant Grove and St. George. First. We did one in St. George. And then uh, we used we actually didn't use it at Thrive Salt Lake City at all. No, because we, we only had 15 minutes. And so right. with Salt Lake City Thrive, we just did, here's five tips for those uh, to have relationships with those who still believe. 
Right. And so uh, we were able to actually use this presentation in Sacramento. And since we don't have any other presentations planned, we thought, hey, this is like the perfect time to share with all of you the findings of the results and really like what do the numbers show? Right. And Ellen, you showed me earlier today, or maybe it was yesterday, a really cool tool um, that tells you like in the podcast world, where is your podcast as far as uh, popularity and where do we lie? The top 1.5%, which I think speaks to the lazy 98.5% that are below us. Because if we're in the top 1.5%, that means that a lot of people make one episode and then never touch it ever again. Yeah, maybe it has to do with like the recency of the actual right. podcast. Who knows? Right. But yeah. that was kind of fun to, to see. But it was fun. Let me let's let's just move on. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, just by the sheer numbers of marriage on a tightrope. In our emails alone, we have close to 5,000 unique emails from all sorts of areas and walks of the Marriage and the Tightrope group. That's right. And this is this is uh, all meant to say you're not alone. There are literally 5,000 couples, and more and more and more. Those are just the ones that write us an email. Uh, what, we've, what we've looked at is between... The time that we spend on preparing episodes and speaking engagements and meeting with couples, we estimate about 13 hours, 13 hours, 13,000 hours spent over the last few years. What does that make us experts in, Alan? Trauma. <laughs> Trauma. <laughs> Trauma. Which at least in our own marriage, right? Maybe not in other people's marriages. That's right. And, you know, we, this is actually a figure we haven't really looked into for the past year and a half. So it could be more. But we have about 25,000 downloads per episode, which is also a Again, very cool thing. It's, it, yes, it's a minor flex. That's great. People resonate with the message that we're sharing. But again, this is meant to make those that are listening, especially those at the beginning of a mixed faith journey, that you are not alone. There are a lot of people um, going through this. Uh, and not just in Mormonism or in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saintism either. Uh, you know, I, I make content on TikTok, as we have recently discussed. <laughs> and on there, 95% of my followers are not LDS. Uh, 180,000 followers now. And so there's a lot of people that have deconstructed or are deconstructing. And many of those are in mixed faith. I've gotten a lot of messages from um, ex-evangelicals. They like to call themselves ex-evangelicals, uh, ex-Jehovah's Witness, etc. And also, the biggest question I think I've seen, Alan, in the comments from your TikTok followers is, how do you make your marriage work? I think I don't know if people just, I'm not on TikTok and we don't make content together. So I don't know exactly what their view of me is, but I think a lot of them recognize how hard it is in their own marriages. Mm -hmm. And they're wondering like, how do you do it? Uh, another really cool thing is we've had about 150 couples go through our workshop with the Natasha Helfer that we partner. And so that kind of takes us really to what we wanted to talk about because the survey results um, indicate things that we talk about in our mixed faith workshop with Natasha, and we thought we would take through take you through that, and then also talk about what is it that we talk about in the workshop and why is it so helpful? Right. So the the rest of the numbers that we share with you, we've broken them out into. 
the structure of the workshop. So hopefully this will help those that don't know much about the workshop to learn how is it structured. We're a little bit sad because we've been so busy. This is right at the end of my work day right now. And we were like, oh, we've got 30 minutes. Let's record this right now. And so we wish Natasha could be here with us, but we were not fair to her to give, to give her a lot of times availabilities because we just don't have much right now. So week one in this course is on understanding faith transitions. What does that mean? It's super important because uh, there are some misconceptions about why faith transitions happen. There's also kind of an emotional attachment uh, to to a faith transition where when it's happening, a lot of times the spouse that is still believing feels like this is a rejection of them as well and that this is unique to Mormonism. And it's just not. Everything, the reason why there are so many listeners of the podcast and resonate with this message is because this is happening to a lot of people in and out of our church, our, our church tradition. So one thing that we wanted to share, uh, this is one of the survey results, is of the 537 respondents, 94.8% of those respondents said that they were born in the church. That's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting. It's probably not surprising. No. But pretty interesting. This is a faith transition that we were, that, or a faith tradition that we were largely, all of us, were raised in. Yeah. I love that we we asked some advice and we asked for people to talk about their own uh, faith transitions. And we want we picked this one out of it because uh, it actually is unique to people who are not in the church, specifically Jehovah Witness. Um, and this is the quote that we pulled from it. It says, Jehovah Witnesses face a unique challenge. There is absolutely no room in the organization for conversations about mixed faith. If a practicing JW were to participate in a podcast or support group, as I have, they would be immediately disfellowshipped and shunned. There is no room for interfaith or accepting others' faith. Uh, Any conversation that involves accepting a nuanced view of the Jehovah Witness faith are viewed as apostasy and treated very harshly. My partner is currently tortured by the conviction that he will see me destroyed at Armageddon. It is a special form of hell, ironically for a faith group that does not believe in hell. (laughs) Thanks for caring as much as you all do. I have learned so much from all of you. So I I love this because this is not, again, like we said, just a Mormon problem. In fact, Natasha shares a um, cool little diagram, which maybe we'll link this in show notes, but it's basically shows you on a scale of ultra liberal to ultra strict, where does your faith fall? Okay, so there is there is tension as as it becomes more and more strict. There is more ten, there is more tension in the wider culture um, of that religion. If you look at Mormonism, we fall in the strict category. Whereas you know, if you were Lutheran or maybe Episcopalian, you're more on the liberal side. Um, generally, those that have stricter cultures and religions just require a lot more, and thus it is much more difficult to leave. That's right. And so you don't see a lot of, you know, there's not really a ex-Baptist podcast <laughs> that you're going to find because it's not as traumatic, not saying it's not traumatic, but it's not as traumatic falling out of a faith like that as compared to Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness, Pentecostal, um, uh, the FLDS, <laughs> that, that's even more strict. traumatic. That's ultra strict. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, one question that we also asked is, um, 
how many of you have both transitioned away from the church? And 20%, 19.9% said that they had both transitioned. Now, remember the demographics here. Yeah. Uh, the demographics, these are people primarily that are still paying attention to mixed faith marriage. Right. So there, this... If we were to take a scientific study, I imagine that this number would be higher. Completely skewed, yes. It, it would be higher than this yes. because a lot of the couples that both of them are out are no longer paying attention to the mixed faith space. This can be disconcerting to, to the spouse that still believes that they, if they see a high percentage of spouses that have both transitioned out, it's like, oh my goodness, that is not my future. Uh, I do not want that. And that can be a little scary. Now we asked... Who transitioned first? And we found that 52, excuse me, 54% of the time, it was the husband that transitioned first. And 42% of the time, it was the wife. And then there's some non, not applicable uh, that, that is in there as well. That's probably pretty close to what we've seen. It's yeah. pretty close to 50-50. It is very close to 50-50. But yeah, I think that that's pretty accurate from what we've seen. The other question we asked was, how old were you when your marriage became mixed faith? And this was actually surprisingly not surprising. So, <laughs> so surprisingly not, not surprising. surprising. So, Interesting. so I, I actually didn't, um, I mean, 47%, I'll say this, 47%, this happened when you were between the ages of 30 to 39. So, you know, you're kind of middle age, you're getting to the middle age stage, you have kids, you have a career, and 47% of you. Now, 20 to 29 years old, we had 22%, and then the 40 to 49-year-olds is 24%. So really, the majority, almost all of you, are in that 20 to 49-year-old range where you are becoming mixed faith. That's right. That's right. So that's a little bit on week one of understanding what a, a faith transition even is. Week two is about communication and intimacy in marriage. Now, one of the uh, quotes that we will share now from, from the results of the survey says this, I'm actually wondering how long our marriage will last without the deep level of open communication that we were accustomed to prior to the faith transition. My wife doesn't want to talk about religion beyond superficial stuff. I have to find engagement elsewhere on church topics or even just philosophical life topics. She won't share her spiritual church stuff with me because they are sacred and I'm no longer worthy enough to be entrusted to hear them. I wonder if it's slowly eroding our marriage. It may be the number one silent but deadly killer of marriages. Not to make light of a serious comment, but I've never seen the term silent but deadly used outside of a uh, flatulation reference. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's, let's move on from that. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, but, but that's what this... The, I actually think that this week is the most important week. It is. Overall. Everyone's individual situation may be different. But learning how to communicate is huge. And after we understand what a faith transition actually is, this is the groundwork that has to be laid before we get into the rest of the course. Yeah. And, you know, when we surveyed our 500 plus couples, they said that 56.4% of them, it was the number two reason um, given that they were worried that they are not able to communicate in a healthy manner about religion. You know, I think that there are a number of things Alan and I went to when we had to communicate. We went to anger. I went to anger. We avoided. I avoided speaking about it altogether. And those are 
not helpful, nor are they healthy ways to communicate. And so uh, what I appreciate is, is Natasha lays that groundwork and gives people the tools they need in order to even speak about it, to even broach the subject, because these are hard and tender feelings that you're dealing with. Right. Um, now, I, I want to make clear how yeah. we worded this question, because we bring it up a few times. We asked, what are the top three most difficult aspects of your mixed faith marriage. Right. The number two reason selected was not this, being not being able to communicate in a healthy manner yeah, about religion specifically. And then, you know, we also surveyed and asked, uh, you know, on a scale, do you feel overall your marriage is weaker or stronger? And we had everyone um, from the transitioner to the believing wife to the believing husband uh, to the transitioning husband tell us how they felt. And it was great to see that the believing wives overall were felt like their marriages were stronger. Right. About 77% of believing wives said that their marriage was stronger. And only, boy, quick math, <laughs> 23% said that it was weaker. Overall, of all the couples that responded, 71%. So they're all in that 70% range. The the lowest was the believing husband, and that partially is due to only 26 respondents. So again, this is not Jana Reese. This is not David Osler doing a multi-thousand dollar rigorous scientific study. This is a few idiots on Google Forms, <laughs> Google Forms. <laughs> asking some questions. You, you get what you pay for. That's right. Take it with a grain of salt. That's right. Um, okay. Week three, we really dive into negotiating the tenders. And when we say the tenders, you I think some people like to use the word trigger, but I like tender because they are very tender to talk about. This can be anywhere from um, change in, you know, word of wisdom choices, clothing choices, whether you're wearing garments, your choices to go to church or not. Mm-hmm. All of those things that are tender to talk about that you have to negotiate is what we really spend um, a good amount of time on on week three. And that we pulled a quote from someone that we really loved. Um, It says, it can work if you're both committed to the marriage, but it will be a lot of work, patience, kindness, and discomfort. And Ella and I really love the word discomfort because these types of conversations they are not easy. They're actually extremely diff- difficult, but it is through the discomfort um, that you grow and you learn and you get better at it. Don't be afraid of the discomfort. There is a certain level of discomfort that is not only appropriate, but is necessary. That if you're not feeling the discomfort, you're not growing. If it's, you know, we actually, when we go through this in the course, we recommend that the couples choose something that is very high priority for one spouse and very low priority for the other spouse to get a quick win. So we actually, so for example, with us, I don't know what one of those would be, but it may be coffee. I'm just like, it's that's really, a, yeah, it's really important one. to me that I am able to have autonomy when it comes to coffee. And that means I want it in the house. I want to be able to make it whenever I want to. And maybe that's super important to me, but Katie's like, I don't care. Go ahead. Like, oh, sweet, there's a win. That's great. And and there's like little baby steps in between, right? Like Alan going to coffee with friends, I, th- I think that's where we started. And then, you know, he would sometimes get a coffee with me. And then little by little, it, it was just where we felt comfortable. And now we have 
co- a coffee machine in the house that I purchased. I snort coffee off of dinner plates now. That, that's it. the level that we've gotten to. I don't know I don't what's li- next. I don't think I like that word, no? snort. Snort? No. No. no? Okay, fair enough. Well, when we ask the question, again, the top three most difficult aspects of the mixed faith marriage, 37.5%, which is the number four reason, uh, couples stated that church milestones, meaning baptism, sealings, missions, ordinations, etc., were on that list of uh, the most difficult. So how are you going to negotiate baptism? How are you going to negotiate kids going on missions? These are some of the tenders that we get into in this course. Another thing that people said is that, you know, in their top three most difficult aspects of their mixed faith marriage, 21.1% of you said that use of substances were in that category. And rightfully that can be so. Everything. I mean, we've talked yep. to a lot of couples. It's not just coffee and alcohol. Those are the two most... I, th- I think alcohol is probably the most mentioned. It is. But there's uh, marijuana use and there's psychedelic use. Like, Not everybody wants to use those things, but it's not uncommon. It's, it's not. not uncommon. Now, church attendance is one that we've already discussed. 17.7% of the respondents listed weekly church attendance as the top three most difficult. And that's understandable because it's sad for both sides, for, uh, you know, 17 years for us, you've been going to church together and all of a sudden you're at home and the other person's there. And that's hard on both sides. It is. Uh, also, we asked um, the transitioners, how would you describe your participation in church? So if you are a transitioner, you know, where where are you? Uh, 27% said that they were partially active. Uh, 14% said that they were fully active. So those are the ones that say, you know, I'm physically in and mentally out. PIMO. That's right. If you, yeah, if you ever come across that acronym. And then 39% says, you know, I'm no longer active. And then 20%, um, those are our Catholics that go for special occasions. <laughs> Easter and Christmas. <laughs> Easter, Christmas, and... And blessings and my kids giving a program. talk and yeah. those types of things. That's, That's right. right. That's right. We asked the same question about temple activity which you would expect the transitioners, and this is the case, uh, that they don't currently hold a temple recommend. And that was largely the case. Over 80% of transitioning husbands and wives said, I no longer hold a an active temple recommend. And those that said they do hold a recommend, uh, most of those, only two didn't, said that uh, they do not visit the temple. Now on the believing side, it's a little, little more interesting on the believing wife side, about 26% of the believing wives said they do not hold a current temple recommend. Um, looking at it, it's it's close to 42% or so uh, hold a recommend and still visit the temple. And then the remaining 20, 29%, sorry, our, our bars are not labeled uh, on, this, on this graph, but about 29% hold a recommend but do not visit the temple. Uh, the believing husbands... Uh, we're, we're close to that, slightly less or slightly more of those believing husbands are not actually going to the temple, but do hold a current temple recommend. Now, weeks four and five are the same topic. Now, what topic could be so important to dedicate two weeks to? The kids, of course. And when we set this course up, uh, we imagine that this is going to be the most important uh, for couples and that we need to spend the most time on it. And the survey results indicate that as well. This was the number one reason for those that were answering the question of three most difficult aspects. 63.5% said knowing what and how to teach the children was the most important. So 
we have awesome resources. Natasha, of course, talks us through how to talk to our children, how to talk to each other about the children. And then also we do an exercise about negotiating the tenders when it comes to the children. So you do negotiate the tenders with each other. And then also, you know, those big dates like baptism, young men, young women, all those things that you ha- you really can- are concerned about with kids. There have been couples that are no longer uh have kids at home right. that have taken the class, but they have focused on what do what do they want to do with their grandkids? Mm-hmm. What do they want to do to support their adult children? And so this is applicable to really anyone and everyone. And we've had people that haven't even had kids yet, but have been able to talk through some of that because there is a lot of fear surrounding it. We are so lucky that we have um, great resources out there. One of those that we've plugged before because we just love so much is uplift kids. And that is, we had John Ogden on Mm -hmm. the show and he shared the website with us. There are so many great lessons that you can teach your kids that are not religious based, but gives them a good foundation on how to be a good person and how to talk about feelings and how to talk about sexuality, whatever it might be. It is an incredible resource. So highly recommend it. Um, I'll plug for him here as well, upliftkids.org. And when you sign up, you can help us out a little bit by using the promo code TIGHTROPE. We have a little affiliation program with John. And obviously, like, this is the only thing we've ever affiliated anyone with. I know, it's kind of nice. I know, it's, but it's because we genuinely love it so yeah, much. Yeah, we use it ourselves. Yes, That's we right. do. The last thing that we talk about, which is actually what we gave a lot of focus to at our Thrive Conference was how do you manage outside relationships? Now, these relationships are those with leaders, maybe neighbors and friends. Also, this could be family members and parents, especially if they are still in the church and one of you is transitioning out of the church. You know, one of the quotes that we pulled um, that we loved was, I wish there were resources and support for the active believing member spouse in a mixed faith marriage. When someone leaves the church, it seems like people fall all over themselves trying to figure out what went wrong and how to reach the lever and love and support them. As the one that stayed, I feel like I'm drowning and people are telling me stuff like it's all up to you now and you have to be strong enough for everyone, which just adds more weight to my shoulders. And I can tell you that I have had those comments to me. And it it is very difficult to feel like you belong somewhere. And, you know, when you don't have a spouse, maybe that goes to church with you, you yourself are trying to balance the two. It can be really hard, especially when you are also balancing yourself between um, feelings, strong feelings that family members have about your faith transition husband or your active believing spouse. In the next episode, uh, we will record our just this portion as a separate episode on basically the topic of what are some tips as we tell the story of my relationship with my own mother, which is not perfect, but we've had some good victories and we tried to pull from there. So it's basically five tips of how to have good relationships with those who, who still believe. But this is a, a great way to end the course, um, except the fact that there's a bonus week. Wow. And- And what kind of bonus would it be if it wasn't sexual in nature? So the bonus seventh week that we do is sex and intimacy. Uh, For this round, have we selected a date? Basically, 
It's included with registration, and we're about halfway full at this we point. We start February 27th. Uh, every single Sunday for seven weeks, uh, these six weeks that we just explained, and the last week being uh, sex and intimacy. And I th- I think we decided that uh, February 5th, every registration before February 5th, is going to have the sex and intimacy included. Now, if you sign up and you're listening to this after that, it's still available to you. Just sign up for the course, and we'll work that out um, when you're in the course. Now, with sex and intimacy, we asked some, some questions. This is probably my favorite question and result. <laughs> Uh, shocking, right? Shocking. Has your sexual intimacy improved or weakened? Now, every single every single cohort, believing wives, husbands, transitioning wives, husbands, said that it had improved. More said it had improved than it had weakened. Uh, we also had the option of the same. But and there were, there and were, there were a, a lot of the same. Yeah. And the believing group, the believing husbands and believing wives says, yeah, it's about the same. Right. But guess which group said that it improved the most? Or I guess the most people said that it improved. I know this. I know the answer. It's You're the, looking at the screen. I know. It's the transitioning wives. <laughs> the transi- exactly. The transitioning wives. That's right. So transitioning wives, good. We're glad that it's improved. And then we have an awkward picture in that presentation of us kissing. You know, I also... <laughs> out of the 537 couples that responded this is actually a very interesting fact so seven percent which equals 35 couples okay 35 of our couples said that at least one spouse identifies as a member of the lgbtq plus community which was surprising to me it yeah. was it was a lot higher than i even thought it would be and i love this quote that went along with it Some might conflate my being gay with reasons why I left the church, but it was actually the opposite. Finding out about certain truths that led me away from the church allowed me to embrace my sexuality. I had a supportive spouse the whole way, for which I'm very grateful. And um, then at the very end, we asked, hey, what kind of advice would you give in your mixed faith marriage. And we pulled out a few quotes that we thought that were really nice. This first one says, you know, we're all just doing the best we know how to. Let's give each other the complete benefit of the doubt or otherwise stated as grace to figure out what life means for each of us. Another quote that we liked, don't be adamant about belief. It will shift over time. So be gentle with how you say things. It's hard not to feel anger, but don't let that anger come through in your communication. Anger is a, an emotion that we oftentimes, this is not in the quote, end quote, I should say. <laughs> uh, anger is a, an emotion that oftentimes we demonize. And there is a room for anger. But for the most part, you want to work through that anger before you talk about these difficult things with your spouse. And when things bubble up, Natasha teaches some really good strategies on taking timeouts and even apologizing and saying, can we try that again? I let my emotions get the best of me, etc." Now, this is the most important, grab your notebooks. This is the most important quote that we received in our feedback. It says, quote, pineapple on pizza is an offense to whatever gods may exist, but you're welcome to it if that's what makes you happy, end quote. I'm sorry, but pineapple makes me happy. I'm an islander. I've got to have the pineapple. I'm not gatekeeping people's ingredients and toppings on pizza. <laughs> pineapple on pizza is some, just fine. Some people might want to. We just lost half of our 25,000 listeners. <laughs> and at the very end, which we will post this in the show notes or on Facebook, and because I think it's so beautiful, we asked, 
hey, give us some advice. And we made a, a heart word bubble out of it. And the biggest piece of advice or the biggest word in the bubble um, was time. So give it time. And I think that that speaks uh, volumes, right? Because a lot of people are going through this and time, it does make a big difference. Now, I will say that if you are not communicating and you're avoiding the topic, time is not going to help. Time is only going to build pressure. So time coupled with all of the strategies we learn in the workshop really do make for a much more successful relationship. That is correct. You can go to the gym three hours every single day for a year, but if you don't actually lift the weights, nothing's going to happen. But if you lift too many weights and you hurt your shoulder, (sighs) like I did. Alan's feeling real sad right now. All my knees are broken, and now I'm going to have to get my shoulder surgerized. I do not know how I will be lifting you up things and towards things if you have to get, like, a hip surgery. Yeah, the hip thing. That's I can handle sur- uh, shoulder surgery because yeah. I can walk around, but hips, ugh. Yeah. Have we gone off the rails a little bit here? We have. Let's just circle back the wagon. We would love to see you in our next workshop on a tightrope with Natasha. I hope that this outline gives you a good idea as to what we do, how we do it. We do it every Sunday night for two, about two hours, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We all meet together. You During the week, we have you watch a presentation and we give you something to work on during the week so that we can talk about it on Sunday. So this really is a great class. Also, if you are feeling like you are the only one going through this, it is not true. It is so therapeutic to see other couples in this, to have them talk about their own experiences, and then you can connect the dots within yourself. And I think that that's where really the secret sauce is, is when the other couples come and they they share the hard because it is going, I mean, it's happening with all, everyone. So uh, we, if you want to sign up for the, for the class, you can go to marriageonatightrope.thinkific. It's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com. And if you have any questions, you can email us at marriageonatightrope at gmail.com. If you are in a position to financially support someone who would like to go through the course but has not does not have the financial means to do so you can send us a venmo um and just earmark it for a marriage on a tightrope scholarship we have one donor that awesomely donated and we've already used it for a couple and so if you could use the help please email us message us and let us know and we will see what we can do thank you everybody for listening in to marriage on a tightrope Katie, is there anything else before we go? There's one other thing. Hey, we have our ladies retreat. Ladies retreat. Can I come? Uh, Yes, because you are my sound guy. Yes. (laughs) So it is Saturday, February 5th. We, there are a few spots that people have, you know, had to. We're kind of filling them as people have had to cancel, right? But it's mostly full. We do have a few spots left. If you would like to join us. Man, we would love to have you. We have so many things um, planned, and I'm just super excited to get this off the ground. And I don't want to say over with, but just watching you plan all this and like 
these journals just arrived and a book by Carolyn Pearson came and she's You're emailing you back. Away. And, oh, I'm sorry. It's exciting <laughs> stuff. It is exciting stuff. I think this is our first and, you know, depending on how it goes, maybe we'll have others, but maybe we won't. Who knows? I, I think it's going to go great. And I think, <laughs> I think we it'll will. be great. All right. We'll talk to you next time. We're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go